Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read and discuss young adult fiction. And it's July. It is July. It's actually the end of July. Mm. I, this year's been weird. I think we all know this year's been weird. <laughs> My sister read something off Twitter yesterday and I was just like, 2020, the year that keeps giving. But then it turned out that that thing had actually happened in 2018 and was just like resurfacing. Mm-hmm. So check the date of your articles, everyone. Yeah, make sure that your your information is, is current and up to date. Mm. And what's our current up to date information, Kira? We are taking a hiatus. This will be our last podcast for a month. So you won't see us in August. And when we come back, we're going to have a new schedule in yes, September. Because it's been confusing. Like we've been consistently doing a schedule of uploading on the 7th and the 21st for our entire existence. Mostly because I, Aoife, really love the number seven and its multiples. And because that's two times a month. But we might go into something like every second Tuesday. That's fun and memorable for all of the family. But for the meantime, we we both need a little time off. It has been very difficult to read during a pandemic. And also we've both had a lot of life changes in the last little while. I moved and changed jobs. I'm still working in the libraries. And, uh, and Aoife also had like a new living situation. My partner moved in this week. And also I have ADHD now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm starting a master's very soon. So we're just taking the break for August. And by break for August, we mean there will not be a podcast for you, but we're going to be doing lots of work on the on the back end. So it's still a normal episode. I'm still going to tell you about a book. I alleged at the end of our last episode that I was going to either talk about Dear Martin or Secret Life of Bees. And it's Dear Martin that I'm talking about. So that is a book from 2017 by Nick Stone, who is an American author. She was born and raised in a suburb of Atlanta, which is, plot relevantly, the city where Martin Luther King is from. I believe it's quite an important city in the civil rights movement in America. It's one of the few cities which actually has a predominantly black population. Most places just have like a significant minority of black people. This book deals a lot with race. It is about a teenage boy who is writing letters to Martin Luther King uh, to try process his experiences being a black boy in America. And Nick Stone was inspired to write it after, you know, living as a black person in America um, and particularly the constant violence which young black boys are constantly subjected to. What year did you say it came out again? 2017. So she would have been writing it after Trayvon Martin and after Trayvon Martin had died. Yes. So there's a lot of mentions in the book of basically fictionalized stories. I mean, of course, Nick is, Nick Stone is respectful and she isn't going to take a real person who was brutally murdered and use them as a background character in her book. But you can definitely see the inspiration of uh, Mike Brown's murder and also the response to his murder 
and mm-hmm. people's response to that response. So um, that's kind of the book. But anyway, Nick Stone herself is a black American, like I said, from Atlanta, Georgia, like Dr. King. She's openly bisexual. She's an award-winning writer. She is a New York Times bestseller. This book debuted on the New York Times bestselling list at number four. Mm-hmm. Um, it also was translated and published in Germany, Brazil, Indonesia, the Netherlands, Turkey, Romania, and like the UK. Uh, there's a sequel called Dear yeah. Justice in which a, another character writes letters to Justice, which I, whose name I don't think Who's I've mentioned the main so character far. of this book. Yeah, but this is actually her first book. Um, her first YA book and her first book at all, although she published other essays and short stories beforehand before she became a writer. She was a teen mentor, continues to live in Atlanta with her husband and she has two children and is prolific writer continuing to write. Book time. Let's talk about this book. I'm excited that we're doing an own voices reads um, because I don't think that we've done enough of them, to be honest. And particularly something that is very relevant to the world at large. Um, I want to note that we're white people not living in America, but Ireland has its own racist issues, particularly around um, the treatment of travellers. Yeah, that was one of the first things I wanted to say. Um, Before I talk about this book, I want to say I'm a white person. I'm a white Irish person who has never set foot in the United States of America. Ireland has its own racism problems, but even in that context, I am not oppressed on the basis of race. I recognize things in this book as similar to communities that I know about the oppression of, but as I'm speaking of it, please don't take me as an authority over the voices of actual Black Americans, African Americans, and people who are oppressed on the basis of race the world over. Um, Listen to own voices. Listen to me because I've got a YA podcast and this is a book I'm talking about. (laughs) Don't don't listen to me on the experience of like a a teenage African-American boy. Um, I'm just relaying the information. And if I get stuff wrong, call me out. I'll probably link some actual black American voices on civil rights in the show notes because these people know what they're talking about yeah um and also like so sometimes when we do the Irish books that are set in Ireland and written by Irish people I'm just like oh my god I can connect so much more with these characters it's painful and I'm like so if they I didn't read this one, so I'm not sure. But I'm like, if you didn't connect with the character as much, it could be because they're having a lot of different life experiences to you. That is kind of an element of it. I don't want to say I didn't connect with the characters because I definitely did. But there, it took me a little while to get into the swing of this book. Justice is a 17-year-old boy. He's living in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a boarder at a boarding school. So his family are from uh, quite a bad area of the city okay and he's got a scholarship to go to this very nice school he is ranked fourth in his class of 83 people he got really great test results he's on the debate team he's doing really really well 
He's a very academically gifted boy and he is doing the most he can to make things happen with that. Okay. So in like terms of like the black narrative, he is doing everything right yeah. and being like the most like he is integrating himself as much as possible into like quote unquote white culture in order to protect himself. Yes, and this book does examine that narrative and the problems with it and other alternative narratives. But at the start, that's Justice, that's how we meet him. And he is Mm -hmm. on his way from a party at his friend Manny's house uh, because his on-off girlfriend Mello has gone... She's done something that everyone's kind of used to her doing, which is she's gotten very drunk and she's lashed out at people. And one of her friends was like, here, I'll drive you, I'll drive you home. And Mello's like, no, I'll call the cops and tell you that I'm, you're kidnapping me. If you try to do that, I'm gonna go get myself home. Mello is mixed race. Okay. Her, her mom is Norwegian and her dad is a black NFL linebacker. So she's quite wealthy a lot as of well privilege there um but she's white passing or light-skinned ah. anyway so justice follows her out of this party because she, he cares about her and she is trying to drive home drunk and mm-hmm. he's trying to talk her out of driving home in the car park of like a big supermarket when a policeman comes across the scene and handcuffs justice and will not let him go because he's a harassing a white woman yeah so Mello's parents get called they turn up their public figures the cop still refuses to let him go uh, they end up calling another one of justice's friend's parents who's a lawyer and she rattles off a lot of legalese to him and mm-hmm. he finally lets justice go but he was sitting on the pavement of a massive car park with a man training a gun on him for about an entire night from girlfriend left party drunk to dawn so so i'm aware that this is not like his major problem right now his major problem is like police brutality racial injustice um racial profiling but I'm also like, that's how you get a kidney infection. Like, yeah. he is not going to be medically well after sitting. Like, he's got a lot of PTSD stuff to deal with now. But also, just sitting on, like, a pavement floor all night, that's not going to be good for your kidneys. No, does, no. Does that come up? It doesn't. I, the PTSD does, <laughs> shockingly. Um, the other bits don't. Um, I will just point out here, the mother of his other friend who is called is... SJ's mother. SJ mm-hmm. is uh, his debating partner and she is white and Jewish and that's a thing that's brought up and discussed a little bit is how Judaism impacts race in America. Yeah. Um, his parents weren't called? His, no. Justice okay. is 17 and he's like please I'm 17 let me call my mom and the police officer who's called Castillo says no you're 17 you'll get tried as an adult he's not an adult yeah he's a baby and this is where the unfairness of the unfairness of race in america is really 
brought out in this book because obviously from this point on, Justice has a lot of trauma and he has a lot of trauma about an experience that other people won't even believe happened to him or happened like that or was traumatizing. So Mm -hmm. in school, he has one black friend, Manny, whose house he was at and everyone else they hang out with are white. Uh, Mostly they're just referred to as Manny's crew, but they are different people as well. You know, SJ's there, she's white. Um, His mother, he doesn't see her very much, um, but she does like occasionally talk to him about race things, but he feels very out of place as well with the boys he grew up with. And he can't really talk to them about it because he's gotten this scholarship. He's gone off to this nice school and you know, whenever he goes around his own neighborhood to visit his mother, you know, his mother's like, why are you here? Shouldn't you be up in school studying? And like the boys on the street are like, hey, it's Brainiac. Uh, you know, you don't suck you up to the white man yet. There's there's no winning. Uh, there's no winning because you get it on both sides because the white people are like, you're not one of us. And the black people are like, you're trying to be a white people. So you're not one of us either. And just everyone is bad. But it's it's also like I see I see mostly the black people's side where they're like, you're getting this opportunity that we won't get and we're a bit sore about us. Um, and this also... is something that I will draw a little bit of a parallel with. And I'm not saying that the oppressions faced across groups are the same but I will say that solidarity exists between those groups and so seeing those parallels can be helpful. Similar things happening with people from very economically disadvantaged reasons, very working class people from oppressed backgrounds who go to college, uh, go to university, um, get well-paying jobs, they're kind of seen as class traitors and that's because they've started perpetuating the system that is oppressing their old communities. But the difference for justice is, like you pointed out, he's still black and still being a quote unquote respectable black boy. That police officer still saw him as black and he can't get rid of his blackness. It's still part of who he is. It's a situational privilege that does not follow any very like predictable rules and therefore it doesn't really count so what justice says towards the start of the book because he's after this event is when he starts writing letters to martin luther king and he's just saying i want to read through your teachings i want to see how i can apply them in my life i want to see how you're interpreted by various people and see who seems to have what's closest to the truth And he writes in a letter to Martin Luther King, I don't want to walk around all pissed off and looking for problems, but I know I can't continue to pretend nothing's wrong either. And that's the problem because he's caught between the the boys he grew up with who he sees as being all pissed off and looking for problems or like Manny, who's from a wealthy black family and goes to this fee-paying school, not on a scholarship, who pretends like nothing's wrong. And... The other terrible unfairness of it is that we've got a traumatized boy, traumatized because of racial injustice, 
And if he expresses any of that upset, it puts him in even more danger because he's then a black boy latching out and he's perceived as being so very dangerous. And it's awful. It's really, really bad. That is bad. Yeah, I don't really have any cool insights on that. It's just really bad that how we treat people that we perceive as being other in society across the across the board really um yeah it's particularly bad in this one case in america but it's also true in the uk and it's also true here it's just that our guards typically don't have guns um and also the population of people of color is just slightly lower here in regulation to white people but we're just a a nation of secret racists Mm -hmm. Actually, I did see a very good thing on Instagram, which is not usually where you find good things, where someone had broken down uh, racial prejudice within the Gardaí, you know, comparing figures of, you know, proportion of people of various ethnicities in Ireland and then percentages within the incarcerated population of these minorities and showing like there is still significant racism and also the experiences like surveying people of color who live in Ireland they experience racism from everyone but that includes the guards like it's very sad so one thing that happens quite fast in this book after uh justice has this really nasty experience is the cop who held him illegally on the pavement overnight uh gets killed by a kid with a gun and justice has a lot of complicated feelings about that because that's a kid he grew up with this is a boy called Quan, who's also manny's cousin but manny doesn't really know him justice just kind of knows this kid as like involved in a gang back home but he also remembers playing scrabble with him when they were like 10 and like going to each other's birthday parties and it sucks it really sucks yeah it is it is difficult to oh if there's a lot of gang violence in your area it is difficult to not get sucked into that if that is like one of the only ways in which you can protect your family and make money and just exist but it's also just bad to be in a gang it's not a it's not a great career path yeah and it puts you in great danger a lot of the time yeah as a contrast point i guess to justice i'd like to talk about manny for a while um manny like i said isn't a scholarship boy he his mother is like a psychotherapist his dad is like a vice president of some financial company he's wealthy he doesn't know like any other black people uh, he talks to Justice at one point about like, you're my only black friend. I'm worried because I'm looking at some universities that are like traditionally very black. And I don't know what it will be like to interact with those people. Like all my friends are white. I don't know how to date black girls. And he has some internalized prejudices against like black women because like he hasn't interacted with them even though he himself 
is a black person. He hasn't been raised in a black community. So all of the kids he interacted with growing up were white. He's an only child. He does say to Justice at one point, like, I'm I'm kind of afraid to date black girls because I don't I don't know how it works. Justice at this point is kind of out of his on-off thing with Mello and kind of has a crush on SJ, who, as I mentioned, is a white Jewish girl, but his mother is very opposed to him dating a white girl. Very opposed. And this gets even more complicated for Justice when he is held illegally by this cop. Um, There's many points in this book where someone like make some kind of joke about racism or police brutality or slavery and he just like has the ghost memory of those cuffs on his wrist because that doesn't let go of you very easily and this girl's his debate partner and she's really nice and she's really tuned in to the oppressions he faces but at the same time it's like how can I want to hug and kiss this white girl when a white man did this to me and all these other white people continue to do these other things to me. I don't, and like, also am I betraying like, my race? And there's a, there's a high history of like black boys who are dating white women getting into a lot of trouble with the law because regardless of the circumstances and even if literally there is no circumstances, yeah. the white the black boy gets into trouble over something and is just judged much more harshly than if it was a white couple or even a black couple just because they are interracial and that was illegal for so long. It's because Um, our state and most modern states of the global north are invested in protecting the construct of whiteness and that includes punishing people of color who are dating white people and when you combine that with the misogyny inherent in wanting to protect white women because they are wives and mothers to white babies you get the situation like where justice ends up pinned to the ground by this police officer because he thinks that he might be like trying to take advantage of this white passing girl you know because Mello was white passing and his mother was already very opposed to justice dating white girls before this but once that happens she's like listen this this girl's dad is black and still this happened to you don't you dare do this don't you dare date a white girl and eventually he does tell her about SJ and that he likes her and that you know they're a good team and she understands these things and like people have been trying to to get him down but like SJ's always supported him and his mother's just like there's black girls who'll do that for you you don't need to find this white girl and he's like no but I'm in love with this one <laughs> this one um is his mother is she just trying to protect him from the world but like in a way that is just a little bit mis like I don't want to say it's misguided because I fully understand her motivations in being like the world is already set up against my son and so I'm trying to give him every every like advantage that I can and so like 
I've sent him to this boarding school, which means that I don't get to see him as much, but he gets like a more accepted form of education. And if he, and then like if he dates white women, he'll be disadvantaged in other ways because looking at two people, you don't know that she knows loads of things or mm-hmm. that like you, you just see a black man and a white woman. I mean, it's like, the same question as justice is dealing with where it's like, how can I love this white girl when also these other white people do this? Like, and yeah. her her family love him. The Freedmans adore him. But like, how can justice's mother know that? How can she trust that when like other people he hangs out with will like make racist jokes and then be like, oh, don't be so sensitive. It's just a joke. Um, or argue that racism doesn't really exist and you know you're just making a big deal out of nothing like there's a bit where justice gets accepted in early admission to Yale and like the first person he calls is SJ and he says I'm so excited and they're so happy and then they go to their debating class where one of their friends who is also one of Manny's crew called Jared and is a white boy, didn't get in. So Mm -hmm. he has deferred. He has a deferred placement. So it's like he didn't get in in the early admissions, but he's probably still going to Yale. So Jared puts up his hand and says, I want to discuss the fact that affirmative action discriminates against members of the majority. And Doc, who is their debate teacher, who is also a mixed race boy, mixed race man, he's a doctorate, and so he's kind of a he's a little bit of a role model for justice but Jared says this in his class and everyone's like whoa what are your facts and Jared's like I did better than justice in these tests and these tests and these tests and he got in and I didn't get in yet Jared's like well I got this score and justice like well I got this score and it's like two points below and he's like well in this in this test, I got this score. And Justice is like, yeah, I got this score, which is like five points above. And so like, how can his, how can Justice's mother trust that SJ doesn't secretly think, you know, this black boy's definitely scored less in these tests than me. And through this debate class, we get a lot of like really good discussions that dig down into prejudices so you know someone can come in and say I think affirmative action discriminates against people in the majority and that's kind of a shitty thing to say it's definitely a shitty thing to say but it's not easy to like detangle all the reasons it's shitty but in this class because you've got people debating you can actually pull out the different threads and in the end Jared says whatever I just know when I'm in Yale and I see a person of color walking around I'm gonna wonder if they have as much right to be there as I do oh my god that's just straight racist yeah because SJ in this class is trying to be like hey well, you pay this insane amount of money to go to the school. You get the best teachers. You get the best laptops. You get all this amazing support to get these great test results. Justice has the same access to those. And you can see that he's getting the same scores as you. If another kid in another school has less opportunity to do those things, has less good teachers and still gets admitted into Yale, that's they not affirmative of a action. Right. Yeah. They... They have worked so much harder. Like, yeah, it. 
education is such a classist system in mm-hmm. like the Western culture, and I'm sure it's also like classist in other cultures, but I definitely know about it in the West. And if you have money, then you can pay to get more opportunities with your education because if you have a bad teacher in English you can pay to get a good teacher you don't just have to struggle through with that teacher and if you have a good teacher in English you can also pay to have an even better one or just as good one give you one-to-one attention hey also if you have a racist teacher who has the same subliminal biases as this teenager Jared here has and doesn't really think that their black students have as much capacity to achieve well as their white students do, you're fucked. Yeah, if your teacher is being racist towards you, they are going to mark you down in the same way that like teachers, the, the experience that I have is more to do with like sexism and teachers will like mark down papers worse if they, if the student if they believe the student to be a woman, then if it, they are a, a man. And like mm-hmm. the same thing happens with race where they're like, a black boy couldn't have written this. They must have cheated in some way mm-hmm. or they just don't give it like, the, they don't give the writing the benefit of the doubt in the way that they would with a white boy or a white girl. Mm-hmm. And so they like give, they mark it down like just a little bit, a little bit here and a little bit there and it adds up over time. Mm-hmm. And we got to all this through Manny and Justice talking about it being weird for Manny because he lives in this world of privilege. But he's literally, like, he was, he's telling Justice, like, I'm afraid of black girls. How do you date black girls? And Justice has to tell him, like, they're not all the same. <laughs> so. The, the, ra- the, the racist, like, media depictions work on on black people too yes like it just because if if there is enough subliminal messages and at times just outright messaging Mm -hmm. it is very difficult for our brains to recognize what is what is advertising and what is not yeah and sometimes it gets through it's just bad and particularly if you don't have like a system in place where you can see that those messages are not true which Manny doesn't have yeah because he's like the only the only black girls I know are my cousins and they kind of are older than me and like uh, he felt out of place among them the same way that Justice felt out of place among the boys he grew up with because he's kind of achieved access to another world but what's also important is that even in this other world you are not immune to racism Manny's father who is like I said like a vice president of a financial investment firm sits the boys down after Justice has so Justice has started getting in a little bit more trouble in school and stuff because he's not letting as many comments slide like Manny's friends invite him to a stereotypes party where Justice dressed up as like the boys that he grew up with whereas Manny dresses up as like the token black friend and like really nerdy and one of the friends dresses up as like a surfer dude one of them dresses up as a redneck and one of them dresses up as a KKK member I have so many issues with 
everything in that whole scene. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let it slide because they are No, I'm not I can't. Seventeen year olds should know better. So I have I have I have issues with like oh my god, I have so many issues. Like Surfer Kid, that's fine. I'm like, that's fine. Surfers are not oppressed in any way. They're just they're just chill for the mm-hmm. most part. Um but I'm like for one thing, don't hold a stereotypes party. That's just an invitation for disaster mm-hmm. all around. I have issues with just justice being like, I'll dress up as the people that I grew up with for the inter- entertainment of white people. Yeah. Um, I have I have less issues with being like, I'm that one black friend, except that that kid is everyone's one black friend. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's not great either. And then just straight up dressing up as the KKK. That is like, oh my God, just the level of dissidence that you need to have from society around you to think that that's a good and fun idea. And it's not a good and fun idea if there's only going to be white people there because like you should like look at your your social things and like why that would be acceptable. But it's an even less good idea if you know there's going to be black people there. And I'm not saying just don't be racist in front of black people, but like just the level of dissidence from reality. I mean, I would say don't be racist and also don't go out of your way to make people feel uncomfortable and out of place at your party. Having to pretend to be chill at that party. And that's what Justice is finding harder and harder to do since his traumatic experience because he's more and more aware of the oppressions that exist and the fact that this like at a certain level boys like Manny have been taught that the civil rights struggle is over and people are equal and we just have to like act right and people will respect us but justice kind of always knew that was bullshit and I mean the good news is that someone punches out the kid in the KKK costume immediately Amazing. Um, I'm glad. Good. And but Punch the KKK. After this party, like Manny's father sits them down and is like, I'm I feel like I've failed to properly prepare you for the world because I thought that if I thought I didn't need to protect you anymore, but like today in work, one of my employees I overheard him using like a racial insult about me and I just want you to know that there's nothing I can do about that like I can bring him up to a reprimand committee or something but at a certain level I have to understand that I've got all these employees and they probably resent having a black man in charge like it took me four years longer than average to achieve my position in the company probably because of racial prejudice and you know on average, all these facts about like, you know, being black in the workplace and justice just like he writes in his next letter to Martin, it never ends, does it? No matter what I do for the rest of my life, I'm going to find myself in situations like this. There's part of me that just doesn't want to believe it. Manny's family did everything quote unquote right. And racism still exists. Oh, it's, the hits just keep coming. Like, yeah. And they don't stop coming. 
back to the no not the time <laughs> it is a very heavy episode i'm just trying to bring in some some sort of levity i'm gonna add so much more heaviness though kira we're not even like oh no manny thanks justice he says thank you for like mm-hmm helping me understand this i didn't like what i saw so i wanted to shut my eyes again but you're very helpful um and you help me understand that it's shitty and he goes to quit the basketball team because he only joined the basketball team because everyone was like oh my god manny you should be on the basketball team but he fucking hates basketball so he goes to quit and the coach is like okay cool we can you can do that i'll be disappointed to see you go but one of his friends is in that room his friend Jared, and he says, you can't quit. You have to wait for Master to let you go. (sighs) Yeah, so Manny punches him. Uh, But then that kid wants to press charges. Yeah, of course he does. He's a white kid and doesn't want to face any consequences for any of his actions because he's also rich. Um, Justice and Manny are kind of on their own now. You know, they are not really friends with any of their white friends anymore. Um, Justice is still hanging out with SJ. Um, but keeping that on the down low. And so they're going to go hiking one day. But Manny's just gotten this mm. phone call about how Jared wants to sue him. So he doesn't feel up for hiking anymore. And he's like, let's just listen to some music and drive around. And um, an off-duty police officer shoots them for playing loud music and driving around. And Justice survives, but Manny doesn't. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, I know that this happens. I know. Because we hear about it on the, on, on the news. And I also know that it happens way more than we hear on the news. Because it is covered up and it is hidden. And the only reason that we hear about it now is because everyone has cell phones. And so... Yeah, like, you can't cover it up as much. A lot of it is just opportunist. Um, like... The most of the reason that we hear about it is just like opportunist, amateur. Oh my god, I'm gonna take my phone. Something isn't right. I'm gonna take my phone out now, which doesn't always happen in every situation. Mm-hmm. But I'm still horrified by this mm-hmm. happening in a fictional book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you can imagine, um, people are even less cool with justice now, and everything. All those little things which are him reacting because he's a little bit more sensitive now to racism are now being brought up on the news as justification for the shooting happening. And like this police officer thought these boys had a gun, obviously. Um, The music they were listening to had violent lyrics. So obviously this guy felt threatened. Um, You know, it's all very worrying. And what they find out is that this police officer is the partner of the guy who held justice on the ground overnight and who his childhood friend Quan then shot and killed. So people are like, oh my God, justice has gang connections. Look at this picture of him dressed like a boy from the hood. Isn't that suspicious? We've been told that he's a good boy on a scholarship, but what if he deserved to be shot while at a streetlight? Oh my god, I have so much to say and, like, no ability to say it. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Just, um, so oh my god. 
The second half of this book in particular is really justice. That was only halfway? Well, there's part one and part two, where part one ends in the shooting of Manny. But I've been picking up bits from part two as well. So Justice connects a little bit more with his friends from home when after Manny is killed because he's like, I can talk to SJ about this, you know, like I could probably go to a counsellor maybe, but like these people live it every day and like actually fully understand us. Yeah, yeah. Also, your counsellor is going to be white. It's just a fact. You are going to have a white counsellor and they're going to try to be all lives matter to you, even though they're like being aware of racial sensitivities. Mm -hmm. I know this because I, a white girl in a white country, once talked to a counsellor about Black Lives Matter and like how stressed I was by all of these racial injustices and they all lives mattered me. And I'm like, it's definitely worse in America. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I don't want to drill too far down into the theory because it's really not my place. But here it is just a general identification with the white people in America. So this is actually something SJ talks about a little bit in the book where uh, Justice is like, how can they believe these things about Manny? Like Manny is a perfect good boy. He always did everything right. He was afraid of black people. That's how much he was insulated from like any kind of community here. And SJ's like, well, listen, the people watching this news story identify with the shooter because they identify with a nice middle-aged off-juicy policeman and they they don't want to think that that man is capable of murder in cold blood because then they have to think about the fact that they're capable of murder in cold blood. So they can't even confront the fact that they have racial biases so they obviously can't uh, get rid of them. But uh, yeah, he goes and he connects a little bit more with his boys from home. The first thing that happens is Manny's parents invite him over for dinner and they give him a watch that was traditionally handed down to the eldest son in their family that they were planning on giving to Manny on his 18th birthday. And Justice is very uncomfortable and it's just a very unpleasant situation. But they also say, Quan, um, Manny's cousin, would like you to visit him in prison. And, you know, he's, he's only got like three people on his visitor list. You know, he's in prison because he shot and killed the partner of the policeman who shot and killed Manny. So um, yeah. there's a connection there. But yeah, Justice is trying to talk to him about how this works and how he feels about racism and what solutions he has to the problem and how he deals with it. Um, And Quan's just talking about like, you know, you and Manny were good dudes and you still got a raw deal. Like I've got a counselor here, but I can't talk to a white lady about this shit. Um, The second time I I was sent to juvie, I had like a petty theft charge and the prosecutor referred to me as a career criminal while there was a white kid who like got up in the middle of the night and stabbed his dad eight times and he got off with like a slap on the wrist because it was out of character and yeah there's no solution here but there's I wasn't expecting this book to present the solutions present the problems for us all to think on 
But what Quan does is he suggests that Justice goes to his old neighborhood where there is an older guy. He should talk to Martel because Martel gets this stuff. And Martel is the gang leader of the gang that Quan is in. But this is like a gang such as it exists in real life, not such as you've seen on TV. So it's not a big, scary Mm -hmm. organization that's very well armed. It's like one 25-year-old guy who's under house arrest for drug charges and like five teenagers who gravitate towards him because they don't really have much community in their life. It's a gang in the sense of the outsiders, which we did so long ago. But like, it's five people who hang out together and they've got each other's backs and therefore they are a gang as opposed to a gang with multiple power structures that go all the way up to the top and the kingpin. That's what Quan says is his solution to this situation of, you know, being a black boy in America. He's like, listen, the cops don't have our back. Uh, The established power structures don't have our back. You find five people who have your back and you have their back. And that's how you survive. It's a pretty good system, except for how you get pressured into killing a cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But so he goes to see Martel. And his house is gorgeous. It's full of African relics, tribal masks, framed hieroglyphs, a silhouette painting of Neferetti. He's got a papasan chair and kente cloth cushions. Uh, He's wearing um, a dashiki shirt and a kufi hat. So he's really gone into like the black nationalism aesthetic and the back to Africa Mm -hmm. movement. And he says, I like to surround myself with reminders of ancient Kemet, which is another word for Egypt. So the boys and I never forget our imperial roots. This is actually something that happened around when Martin Luther King was around. There was a black nationalism movement and an idea of calling on ancient African traditions um, to find like a pan-African culture that african-americans could vibe with and resonate with because uh, many of them couldn't you know access specific tribal heritage because they yeah yeah because slavery this is a thing that happens like people are like martel and he's saying you know we have a terrible time america is a bad place for black people basically he's finding solace in an image of a world where Black people hold the positions that white people hold in the current world, but also they're better at it, which um, I think is a very fair thing to buy into as aesthetic. That's his his equivalent, his idea of how to deal with this, you know, the shit deal that being a black man is in American society. And Justice feels like he's able to properly talk to him about it. Um and like Martel gives him a drink and he's like, listen, if you want to come around here again, that's fine. Like I always have space for uh, another young brother. If you're ever ready to strike back at these people who have struck you, we can help you with that. And Justice is like, I think I'm good. And he goes to SJ's house and he's like, I almost, I almost joined a gang. <laughs> like... That was really tempting because that was really nice. And this guy really gets it. And he's so like big brotherly. And like my dad died when I was 11. And I, it's like he... I just need that figure in my life. But 
I don't think the overall situation is like healthy for me. Like this this guy's gang is called the Black Jihad. Oh god, okay. So there's associations with that, although I will point out that um as he points out, um, your ancestors survived a transatlantic journey, built this nation from the ground up and maintained a semblance of humanity, even when the very conditions of their existence suggested they were less than human. Jihad is the act of striving, preserving. That is your legacy, young brother. I see where he's coming from, but if I organised an a queer organisation that in Ireland that had the initials IRA nobody would respect that yeah <laughs> be like that's a terrorist organization so the book starts with justice trying to find through Martin Luther King instructions on how to be a black man in America and he wants to mm-hmm. be like Martin And then he starts thinking about what that actually means because he doesn't want to be an activist. He just has to be involved in this world because, you know, his very existence is activism. Yeah, unfortunately, um, he can't not be political because he is, you know, his body is political. Him existing in the world is political. One thing that is nice, I mean, it's terrible that justice has to like go to a stand and be interrogated on whether or not he does him and his friend deserve to be shot at by mm-hmm. a police officer who was not on An duty off duty police officer why does he even have his gun with him i just i cannot understand the american police system it just it, uh, sorry it's bad off shoes um it's bad. so the it's guy gets convicted of assault and something else there were three charges he was charged with one being murder he doesn't get charged with murder there's a mistrial for that and he want and he has to get trialed again but before he can be he is killed in prison i will say that like being a cop in prison is a raw deal but i'm also like it's so difficult to become a cop in prison that like if you're there you've probably done some heinous stuff yeah also, we should just get rid of prisons. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Black Jihad people firebomb the house of the police officer who attacked Manny and Justice. And, mm-hmm. you know, Justice kind of reacts to this like a person does when a cat brings them a mangled bird. It's like, I. Mm, that, I appreciate I the gesture, but let's put this in the bin. And he then has to like. You know, he's then under suspicion because he was held illegally by one police officer who was then killed by this gang. And then his best friend, he was shot by this other police officer who was then attacked by this attacked gang. Attacked by this guy. And he's like, real nice of my friends to have my back. Please stop this. But he gets to Yale in the end. I'm, I'm so glad that he met his goal. He doesn't want to be like Martin because he doesn't want to be an activist leader and he's figured out that what he wants is to understand his position in the world and what he does and one thing Doc his um, kind of mentor and debate teacher says to him is you know if nothing in the world would ever change what kind of man would you be 
because Justice goes through a bit of a crisis where all his friends are doing this gang violence where he's like, yeah, if everyone thinks I'm going to be awful, why do I bother being good? What's the point of that? Mm -hmm. And Doc's response to that is like, well, because do you want to be a bad person? Do you want to hurt people? Do you want to cause pain or do do you want to not do that? Do you want to kind of just get on with your life or do you want to actively do good? And that's what Justice figures out is he's like, I need to find a way that I can be the kind of person I want to be, even if this system is going to paint me certain ways. And even if there's going to be people who look at me and see certain things like that's terrible. And that's something I'm always going to have to live with. But at the end of the day, I can only control who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's quite nice. And as well, you know, Jared, who was going to sue Manny for hitting him in the face for making a joke about slavery. Yeah. Does he die too? No, he takes an intro to African-American studies course. And (laughs) (laughs) and he pisses off his dad because he's going to go into civil rights law instead of business. And his family might disown him. And him and Justice are like, it's nice to see it's nice to know there's someone who was in school with me at Yale we should hang out more <laughs> and they visit oh Manny's God. grave together is Jared is Jared also the kid that was like affirmative action or is that a different kid that was Jared oh my god Jared had some growth yeah that's the thing Nick Stone does portray a world in which white people can become aware of the terrible things that are happening to people of color and become anti-racist and isn't that great but it's like you're required to have your best friend killed to make that realization like ah, white people shouldn't be anti-racist on the on like the back of dead black boys bodies that's just mm-hmm. it's not I mean SJ's already there that. and anti-racist from the start but it is like yeah like I haven't read the book obviously but I'm also like the fact that SJ is Jewish probably pays probably plays into like her heightened awareness of the way that the system works because uh, Jewish people are also a minority group that while they on average have elements of privilege are also discriminated against and like the white supremacists also don't like the jewish people yeah 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 it's not like it's not a great time to be jewish Mm -hmm. like it's just a better time than being black on average that's the thing that manny and justice discuss a little bit and i think justice Mm -hmm. brings that up with his mother as well when she's like i can't have you dating a white girl he's like she's not white she's jewish and his mother's like listen she passes as white when a white man sees her as white you're in trouble but we don't really get sj's opinion on it or sj's parents opinion we Mm -hmm. get like you know oh i had a phone call with sj there and we had a really good talk about like the the Jewish place in the civil rights like movement and like what Jewish organizations did. And we had to talk about like the legacy of the Holocaust, but we don't actually see those talks or know what they discuss, but it's there. It's a thread that's there in the book. I don't think I really process this book in a highlight, low light way. Yeah. 
I, I, yeah, I don't think I could really highlight low light this book. Um, can I tell you my highlight low life? Yeah, it's the balls it takes to name your son justice in an unjust system. That's that's it. It's pretty good. That's it. <laughs> Every time I I pick like I've seen this book on the shelves quite a lot, and the sequel is called Dear Justice. So like, the fact that his name is Justice does come up a bit in my brain mm-hmm. um and i'm just like that's a baller move that's just a baller move all around mm-hmm. i've gotta say like if if he if if you were like my my child by lieu of being black is more likely to experience violence and perhaps die at an early age and that could trigger a media storm i'm gonna give them a name that like forever requires white people to like reflect on whether or not black people are receiving justice in our system because they have to literally say the word justice every time they refer to him. And I'm like, that's a baller move. It's a pretty good move. Uh, SJ's parents call him the Justmeister. That's not cool. Like <laughs> no, that. it's that's really very not. parent. <laughs> yeah. This book does really in depth go into the difficulty of race being an inherited prejudice, racism being an inherited prejudice and race as an inherited oppression and how, you know, black communities are a little bit insular. Like even Manny who knows like practically no black people is related to this black boy who was in prison for murdering a cop. Um, and everyone kind of knows everyone a little bit and then there's a stigma of dating outside of that community and that's just something I haven't seen examined very much Um, not to say the other bits of the book didn't stick with me I do think um, the treatment of police in this is good because like it is a whole it's an own voices book this is not an idealized vision of the police, such as you get in like propaganda shows. This is a fairly realistic portrayal of the, the violence that people of color and communities of color experience at the hand of police forces. And um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good nuanced book and it doesn't try to solve the problem of racism but it tries to give a little bit of a path of exploring the options of the kind of person you can be as a as a black boy in a racist society cool i would recommend it i would note that it is a little bit dark and if you're not in a position to think in depth about oppressions particularly if they're oppressions you're facing maybe give it a miss but i would definitely think all white teenagers should read this book very cool very cool um okay so we have been forever forever young adults and we will not see you in two weeks because as we said at the top we're going to take a short hiatus for the month of august um in September, I will hopefully be back reading The Love Montage by Kira Smith. I meant to read it last month or 
this month, but unfortunately due to COVID, um, I just can't get my hands on the copy, a copy of it. Mm -hmm. I have a copy ordered from a local bookshop and they're trying to get it from the UK and it's just like, it was released in June and just getting copies has been like impossible, but it should be here and I will read it. And if not, I will, and if not, we'll update you on the social media as to what book I am doing and then... It's definitely way too long in the future for Aoife to have planned her books. Yeah, Aoife, Aoife doesn't always, like, find her books. Usually, like, the book finds Aoife, you know? Aoife just Yeah, kind by of... way of me. Maybe so. Aoife, like, <laughs> breezes through life, reading books about, like, trees and soil, and then occasionally an extremely intense YA book about being a black boy in America. Uh, that's actually very ADHD of you yeah I'm 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 learning recently that a lot of things that I do are very uh ADHD and I didn't realize it but oh well adulthood is a continual path of self-discovery just like being a young adult is Mm. um and if you'd like to discover more about us you can follow us on social media on twitter we're forever ya pod which is also where you can find us on Goodreads at Forever YA Pod. And if you really love us and want to give us lots of money, you can go to Patreon forward slash Forever YA Pod and find us there. I occasionally make nice graphics about our books at Instagram forward slash Forever YA Podcast. And if you don't have lots of money but do want to support us, just go on any of those platforms and tell people how cool you think we are if you don't have those platforms you can also have that conversation in real life with your human mouth or hands if you are a person who speaks using sign language um which is a little bit less likely as a podcast listener but not impossible so yeah very cool um thank you for listening uh see you all in the future please stay safe in our global pandemic Take two, electric boogaloo, as we all come out and then go back into lockdown. That's it. That's what I gotta say. Uh, Have a safe and comfortable August. Bye! Bye! Forever young adults At the podcast where we review books Hey! The outro music has happened and you're still here. I think you want to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you can find us there at Forever YA Pod. And on Instagram at Forever YA Pod. You can also email us at Forever YA Pod. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, you can contribute to our Patreon, which you can find at Forever YA Pod. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love you. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.